0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's one day closer to the weekend, one day closer to SEC football. Should be a big weekend for the Bulldogs as they take on Texas A&M. We're going to get into some of that today. We're going to talk about some of the things we learned in our media opportunity, including some what some of the players, Mississippi State players, have said about the rumors about their head coach possibly being uh, headed there, out, leaving Starkville and headed perhaps to Rutgers. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about what to look for when Texas A&M takes on Mississippi State. We're going to talk about some other things that are out there and I guess kind of set the record straight about some uh, some false narratives that are out there. I never really know what people's agendas are. I know what mine is. And mine is for Mississippi State to win football games. You know what I'm saying? That's that that's uh that's the the end of it all. I want Mississippi State to be successful. And when there is news about Mississippi State, we want to accurately report that to you here on the Boneyard at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for two four seven sports. And everywhere else. What's good news, bad news, indifferent news, whatever, we want to be able to share that with you. So I'm going to frame some things up for you today, and uh, you know, perhaps kind of get some things straight because there are a few things out there that are that some people are saying that are incorrect, and so I want to make sure that you guys are the most well-informed bulldog fans in the country, and so we'll share that with you and and uh, get into some other things, and just really kind of excited about the, the week that it is because if I had a chance to to do some research on a&M, and we're going to talk about some of that. But before we do, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love partnering with those people. What a great organization, people committed to your community, committed to giving you a great restaurant quality hamburger. There are a few delicacies in life that kind of compare with the great restaurant quality hamburger. You're going to get that so much more at Bulldog Burger Company. Now two locations to serve you in both Starville and Tupelo. My favorite kind of varies, depending on what I'm in the mood for. Uh but you know the, the Boneyard Classic is the Pimentology Ad Bacon. Never thought I would ever like a pimento and cheese type sandwich. But man, I tell you what, it's absolutely great. Some people are fans of the Bryant. That was my early favorite. But if you just want a straight-ahead burger, just you know no frills, just give me the burger, go with the, the bulldog. That's gonna be the best way to go. There's also the Kel State salad for those of you that are a bit health conscious, and you can get your burger on no bun, a wheat bun, or even on a bed of lettuce. So many different options, and again, two locations. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville, and now Tupelo, where people go to meet M E A T. So on Monday, we met with Coach Joe Moorhead, and he recapped a, a you know, difficult day against LSU, but also talked about um, the fight that the team showed, and said uh, that's what. That was kind of their message to the team. to say, no matter the score, no matter the circumstance, we're going to go out there and fight to the final snap. And I believe they did that. We came up on the short end of the stick. But I believe in many, many respects that could be a bit of a turning point for the season. Mississippi State needs to go out and win a ball game this weekend if at all possible. And I certainly think they can. I'm not sure if they will, but I certainly believe they can. And the more that I do research on A&M, the more I realize what a toss-up it is. But before we get to, to some A&M talk, Nobody asked Coach Moorhead on Monday about Rodgers. It, ne- it never came up. It just—it was never a question. He addressed it last Friday um, on the Paul Feinbaum show. We discussed that. He's addressed it a couple times in the media. When it first bubbled up, I asked him in a post-practice press conference, and he kind of laughed the whole thing off. It's become such a big deal now. It- it's almost – I don't know if it's a distraction, if it's not more so an irritant, because it's it's really it's reached the point now where it's almost a little bit silly. And so now we've had some couple media people ask the players how they deal with the Rutgers rumors, and I don't think there's anything improper about that. I, I think those are you know important questions. It's in the news. It's impossible to insulate players from social media because it's everywhere. I know some people might disagree. But I don't have a problem with people entertaining these questions. You say, hey, listen, this is out there. How have you guys kind of dealt with it? And uh, there is a and a You can read the Q&A, and you can watch some of Garrett Schrader's post-practice press opportunity on Gene's page right now for free. And uh, the Kyle and Hill piece is also up there. He kind of had some similar comments. But one of the questions was to, to uh, Garrett Schrader, Is it easy to block the stuff with Coach Moorhead and Rutgers out? And here's Garrett's quote. We're not concerned about that. He's our coach. He's been the same guy. He's passionate about this team, and he's very vocal about that, and he's not going anywhere. And a little bit later, kind of circled back to that. What does Coach Moorhead tell you guys about the Rutgers stuff? He thinks it's funnier to him than anything because he's not leaving an SEC West program and he's told me that multiple times. He tells me we're going to win an SEC championship here. That's his message to me. So, I think it's important to kind of take a step back here and let's look at these comments a little bit. Number 1, let's go ahead and admit this to ourselves that uh, you know, a coach will say anything publicly. Just about anything, especially in times like these. And let's also admit that there's nothing Jim Moorhead can say right now that's going to convince his critics that he's going to stay. Because many of those critics want him to leave. That's, that's kind of the reality of it. What he tells his team, it's important. But we're going to get ready to go play a football game. He's not going to say, hey, guys, listen, I'm not going to be here next year, so let's go ahead and win this ball game this weekend. That's, you know, that's not going to be his message. But my thoughts on all this is that what else can Mississippi State do? Joe Moorhead goes on the SEC network and says, "You know what? We're not we're not entertaining that. This is where we want to be. This is where we're going to be. This is what we want to do." And Now you've got the players having to address questions about this. And it's interesting, too, that uh, I've had a couple of people that have said, Hey, Steve, you know, I read where some trustees at Rutgers or some, you know, AD at Rutgers or senior said so, you know, they said that Joe Moorhead's their top candidate. Uh, well, first of all, that's not true, okay? That, that hasn't been documented. There are some sourced reports, and let me rephrase that, too. There is a sourced report that uh, has kind of circulated, And a lot of people have aggregated that that same report. But it is amazing how this thing has grown. We've gone from a situation where he's mentioned as a a potential candidate. And then he's kind of mentioned as a potential tier candidate. And now we've gone through all of this. And so with Joe coming out saying that he's not interested in the job, with the players coming out saying, you know what, coach is telling us that he's going to be here. My hope is that maybe we can – table this issue for a little while you know maybe we circle back to it later you know maybe we go back to it post egg bowl maybe we go back to it um, you know if if there really looks like there's some flame to the smoke because at this point we're not going to get anything more substantial than what we have now we're just not we're not going to have a bigger statement or more direct statement from joe moorhead He has told the nation, he has told recruits, he has told his players, he has told the media that he is going to be here as the head coach of Mississippi State next year. Garrett Schrader, Kyle Hill, and others have come out and said, hey, coach is telling us he's going to be here. I don't know what else more we expect. And again, as I said earlier in the show, there are some people that aren't going to believe anything he's got to say. And, and and let me tell you the narrative that some of the negative Nazis are going to have. They'll come back later when there's no substance to these rumors. And, well, he couldn't even get the Rutgers job. That, that'll that become – because there are some people that, that are so unbelievably content to be miserable that there's nothing that you're going to be able to say or do anything. And then, you know, my, my hope is, is that uh, we can go win a ball game on Saturday – give us a little breathing room as far as it comes to bowl eligibility and have a big November, put ourselves in a good position, win the egg bowl and uh, go win a ball game somewhere and then begin to see Garrett Schrader become the face of our program I don't understand some people who are essentially rooting against Mississippi State because they want to be right I would rather be wrong and win the game I would rather be wrong and win something substantial because it's not about me, it's about Mississippi State. But there are some people that would rather Mississippi State pick up the tab so they can feel good about, quote, being right. I just don't quite understand that. If we all love Mississippi State, why would we ever want Mississippi State to lose anything? And if you're one of those people, you need to check yourself a little bit. While we're talking about checking yourselves a little bit, there's some other things that are out there, some, uh, some comments that, uh, that I have seen on social media and other places that people have shared with me about uh, John Cohen again, about how John is uh, going on the cheap when it comes to football. Here are a couple of things that I want to make sure that you guys understand. There were some numbers that came out, and you know, and the, the initial numbers were incorrect about Joe Moorhead's salary. People forget that he did sign an extension last year and got a bit of a raise. But I say, well, you know, John doesn't want to spend any money on football. Uh, you know, here's the numbers, the last numbers that I had, and I double-checked this morning just because I, ha- I don't have my exact notes, but I- I'm pretty pretty close on this, I remember. If memory serves me correctly, in 2017, Mississippi State had 26 support staff members. 26. We've got over 40 now. Do you think those 14 people are working for free? When Joe Moorhead was hired, Joe said, Hey, what's going to be our salary allotment? And he said, You know what? I'm going to take X amount of dollars because I really want to be able to add the staff we need to be competitive in the SEC. I would rather take a little bit less money than have more staff. I don't know if you've taken a look at the Mississippi State sideline in, in recent years, last couple of years, there are, there's more people on the sidelines than, uh, than you could ever imagine. It's uh, it's become really crowded down there and all those people have a function. And I've, I've mentioned on this show before, if you have been to the Seal Junior Football Complex, the recruiting staff is upstairs. They don't even have cubicles because we have outgrown our office space in the Seal Complex. Now, a handful of years ago, your recruiting staff was essentially Lee Davis and some student assistants some student workers, pardon me, you know, the people that would stuff envelopes and do the mailers and that sort of stuff. That was your recruiting staff. Well, then we, we added Neil Stubchinski, Rod Gibson, eventually, Pat Austin, eventually. And now that staff has ballooned even more to the point that they've got, you know, kind of like, you know, Mike is the guy that's kind of over all of that, Brad Peterson is involved in that group there's some scouting involved and then there's I mean there's just it is it is an army of people now if you see all this social media stuff that uh, all these uh, you know graphics and and flyers and things like that that, that that people put together there's a couple of people I wrote an article about them last year that's what they do all day every day is they make all these little graphics they come up with other ideas. And you know Joe and Mike Villagrana and recruiting and those people are all signing off and having no shortage of ideas to kind of bring Mississippi State recruiting kind of up to par with other people. Because if Alabama and LSU and those folks are sending that kind of stuff, we need to do it as well. We've got to be more creative than most. We don't have the tradition of others, so we have to outwork them. And so one of the things that that Joe did was we, we brought more people in to address some of the things that we thought were a little bit deficient and that's not to say anything negative about the people that were here working they, they needed some help they were doing a great job but by bringing more people in you've got more people doing a great job there is a direct correlation too with the way that we are currently recruiting and our commitment to recruiting staff We have the maximum allowable quality control analyst. We've got a handful of student assistants that are always out there. You see a lot of them out there in their purple shirts, right, on the sidelines, signaling plays, that sort of stuff. And so we have had an explosion of staff at Mississippi State. And some people would suggest, well, you know, we're going cheap on football. And that's not true at all. Yeah, we're saving a little bit of salary because we're paying Dan Mullen, what, four and a half million dollars? But I want to make sure that you understand here. John Cohen, Dr. Mark Keenum, nobody out there is adjusting the budget to uh, make football poor. I've also read recently a lot of complaints about the Mississippi State strength and conditioning staff. People said, well, you know, we, we didn't even try to find anybody else after Anthony Perrotti left to go back to the NFL and that that also is not true. That's not true at all. You know, we had uh, you know several posts that I made personally over on the uh Jeans Page Football forum, the, the True Maroon board. Throughout that process, we elected to promote from within after interviewing several people. We approached some others, including Aaron Feld, Mississippi State football alum, Ehrenfeld, who is at Oregon, and might be in one of the best situations in the country. But we did go kick the tires. We did see what his interest level was. And ultimately, the decision was made to promote from within because we had a lot of confidence in Anthony Paroli's program. This is a guy that has worked in the highest levels of football. And he put together a great strength and conditioning program. The decision was made That continuity was the way we would go. Now, Joe might feel differently at the end of the year. Everything is always under evaluation. But again, these, you know, these false reports that, well, you know, we didn't even try. We didn't even make an attempt to go outside the program and go get the best available strength and conditioning coach. That that's that's just not true. That's not what happened. Because when, when you're losing and things aren't going your way, everything begins to steamroll. You know what I'm saying? They all snowballs and everybody starts going downhill. It's like everything that you've ever done is now put under scrutiny, and if people don't have an answer, they'll make up one. Now, I'm not saying that promoting from within was the right decision. That's not my decision to make. But that's the rationale behind it, is that we believed in the program that was in place, kept those guys that were here to help implement that program and monitor that program to maintain some continuity within the strength and conditioning program. That ultimately was the decision. So for those of you the, the, of, of the true maroon variety, when you read that we're cost-cutting for football, and I have even seen some, somebody sent me a post somebody made on one of these Facebook groups that we, we had to cut football to pay for the baseball stadium. That's also not true. And these are the kind of things too that are detrimental, you know, to to the psyche of our fan base. I'm not, I, I don't believe a whole lot about this whole. Uh, well, you know, it hurts. Uh, it hurts recruiting. I think that's probably true to a very very small extent you you, you never want negativity on social media but the, but it, it's a negative world okay you're not going to be able to stamp all that out and even in the best of times there are going to be people that are going to complain but i think you know when you've got some people out there that just want to enjoy the ball games they just want to enjoy the team they just want to see mississippi state win and you put things out there say well you know john cohen uh, made these decisions And uh, Joe Moorhead has no budget to work with because we're trying to pay for a baseball stadium. It's not true. It's simply not true. And so I want to set the record straight with all of that today as best I can. Joe Moorhead was given a raise last year. Joe Moorhead was given some money when he first got here uh, to hire all the staff that he needed. Joe's not hurting for anything. Now there is a process in place and we don't just have you know, you know know carte blanche for everybody on the football staff to just give them an American Express card or whatever and let them go buy whatever they want wherever they need it. There's a process in place. I mean, we don't have an endless supply of money. But again, many of these things out there are false. They're not true. And I think it's important that you know that. When we hired Bob Shoup... I don't don't know if you recall or not, but uh, Joe Moorhead got a couple of people a pay raise whenever he uh, got the job here because we at Mississippi State pursued some big-time guys that uh, have a relationship with Joe, including Don Brown from the University of Michigan. Went after him hard. Michigan had to give him an extension to keep him. And so it wasn't like, again, where Mississippi State hires Joe Moorhead and says, okay, best of luck. It's just like when, when Dan Mullen was approached by John Cohen after or in the midst of the Peter Thurman debacle. And he said, hey, Dan, and I get this from football staff, not from John staff. I get it from football staff. But Cohen came to Dan and said, hey, let's listen, listen. Who were the guys that you would want if money wasn't the issue? Because we were saving money on the quarterback coaching position. He's like who who would you want if money wasn't an issue? And Dan gave him three names. And one of those names is Todd Grantham. They reached out to Todd. Todd was looking to make a change. We were looking to make a change. It was a perfect match. John found the money to make it happen. Well, we paid him more than we'd ever paid a defensive coordinator but we're trying to go cheap, right? At least that's the narrative anyway. There's not enough ice in the drinks. You know, it's like all all this stuff, it just gets gets to be so silly. But I think it's important that you know the truth. And truth of the matter is that your leadership at Mississippi State is unbelievably committed to the success of football and other athletics programs. Want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmark, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie, They're all going to treat you exceptionally well when you go in there. They'll treat you like family because you are family. If you can't make it to town and go see their smiling faces in person, you can find their fine selections online at campusbookmart.net. And if you're a loyal Bondyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. It's time for to get those uh, fleeces, you know, get some new hoodies, get some warmer clothes, because it is finally cooling off around here. And, Mom, let me go ahead and tell you, on behalf of Dad and all the kids, they all want Mississippi State clothes for Christmas. Everybody does. Everybody does. Go find it for yourself. So let's take a quick look at A&M here. And uh, I, I had the chance yesterday, I, I transcribed the uh, – Jimbo Fisher press conference and he got one question about Mississippi State now that's not atypical I guess this time of year I don't know how many questions Joe had got about A&M he didn't get very many a lot of discussion was more about you know this team and what's going on but uh, break a couple things down for you and I watched the player interviews too one of the things that was interesting to me is there was a TV reporter that asked a couple of the uh, players said hey Why has Mississippi State been such a bad matchup for you guys? State's won three in a row against A&M in four of the last five. And it was almost like they were surprised by the question. And I think maybe some of our fans, and I know some of the national media, would probably be surprised to look at those numbers because people act like A&M should be such a superior program to Mississippi State. But since they've joined the league, they really haven't been. People look at that big stadium and they look, at, they think of Johnny Manziel and thinking, really? Mississippi State's won four or five. Yes, Mississippi State has won four or five against Texas A&M. There are some problems at A&M. Many of you may, may not have kept up with them, because when we get so wrapped up in our own stuff, uh, A&M has a lot of problems offensively. You guys know that I'm not a big Kellen Mond fan, never have been. Thought he was overrated as a prospect. It's a great athlete, but not a great quarterback. Buddy Johnson, linebacker at uh AM, had a 62-yard scoop and score that gave AM the lead against Ole Miss. Without that play, Ole Miss is going to win that ballgame. Ole Miss is not a great team. They're scrappy. They got some young guys playing well. But AM. Made the play to win the game. I told Mike Nemeth as we were leaving Saturday that A and Miss game was going to be a one play game, and it was going to boil down to who made that one defining play. And A and M made it, and it was a defensive touchdown. This game with Mississippi State and M might be a seventeen thirteen type game. Could be a, a Tennessee type game. I mean, the first one to twenty might win the game if somehow Mississippi State can get twenty points in the game. I, on the road, I think we got a good chance. A&M is struggling to score. So let's get into a couple things here. So uh, the leading rusher for the Aggies is a freshman, Isaiah Spiller. And, uh, you know, he has not done much in SEC play until this past weekend. He had 78 yards against Ole Miss and a touchdown. With that 78 yards, he took over the team lead in rushing with 360 yards rushing for the year. And, and he is a freshman. They're expecting a lot from him. They think that he's going to be a star in this league, and he certainly could be. But he's racked up some yards against non-conference play. and you could make the same comparison with Kylan with Hill, even though Kylan has almost double his numbers. Spiller had a big ball game against Texas State and a big ball game against Lamar. But outside of that, he, hadn't, he has not rushed for more than 27 yards until this past week against Ole Miss Kellen Mond is the second leading rusher on the team with 276 yards I thought Kellen Mond you know, made some mistakes last weekend but down the stretch when the game was on the line and it was time to put the game away Mond made the plays to win the game and he did not have an exceptional game against Ole Miss 16 of 28 for 172 yards passing a touchdown a pair of interceptions and one of those was just absolutely awful And he rushed uh, 15 times for 76 yards. And on that decisive drive to put the game away, Mond is the one that made it happen. So the much maligned Kellen Mond made some plays. It's one of those things you look at, too, and say, you know, State has been able to kind of force some turnovers this year. Mond has been pretty turnover prone. Not just this year, but in his entire career. He had an interception against Texas State, against Clemson, against Lamar, against Arkansas, and two against Ole Miss. And so he is one of those guys that I believe that he will give you the game if you let him. Now, if you let him get outside and let his athleticism take over, he can hurt you. But if you keep him in the pocket and make him be a quarterback, he will struggle. And he has against Mississippi State in both of his starts against Mississippi State. We went down there two years ago, and uh, he looked about as pedestrian as a quarterback could look. And, of course, he was a young guy then. And then last year – when a had a chance to get back in the ball game, he, they drive down the field, and what does he do? He throws an interception to Errol Thompson that there wasn't a player on his team had a reasonable chance of catching. He is a one-read quarterback. I think he's one of those guys, when you really get after him re- and really get next to him, that you can force him into some mistakes. They have really struggled to throw the ball down the field. And that's one of the things, one of the questions on the media opportunity on Monday They were asking Kellen. Said, hey, why have you guys struggled with the deep pass? Now, nobody said, Kellen, is it because you're not capable? They asked about the offensive line. Said, hey, are you just not getting the time for these routes to develop? They asked the receivers, do you guys just not have the speed? One of the guys, they, they didn't phrase it quite that way, but it's like, hey, what do you say to these people that say that the Aggie receivers don't have the speed to get deep and take the top off the defense? They are struggling with the big play in the passing game. They're also struggling to run the football. They're not a great offense by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Mississippi State also at this point not a great offense, but somebody is going to have a breakout game this week, Mississippi State or A M. Again, it's going it's not going to be an ugly it's not going to be a, a masterpiece. It's going to be a very ugly game. I think similar to the Tennessee game. I think special teams is going to matter. Non-offensive touchdowns are going to matter because I think the winner of this game will probably have to get a big play in special teams or get a short field because of a turnover or something like that. I think there will be the big mistake because these team two teams are very very even. One of my favorite players in the SEC that doesn't play for Mississippi State, plays for a and And that's wide receiver Courtney Davis. I think he is an absolute star. He is a quick-twitch guy all the way. When you look at how wide receivers should move and operate, Davis is exactly what you want in a receiver. Uh, they like to use him sometimes on the jet sweeps. They want to get the ball in his hands any way possible because they, they, they do kind of struggle down the field. He's one of those guys, too, that uh, – you know, he usually shows up in these big games. He did not have a big game against Ole Miss. They ran him on a couple jet sweeps, and then he had one catch of 15 yards. Uh, his biggest game this year came against Auburn, five catches for 82 yards uh, and a touchdown. That's an SEC play. He did have a 685 and one touchdown game earlier this year against Texas State. But he is a guy you have to account for. He is one of those guys that really makes things happen when they can get him to football. Jamon Osmond currently is their leading receiver. 42 catches, 553 yards, and a couple touchdowns. He is a bigger physical guy, 6'2", around 220. Doesn't have the length, I guess, that maybe some of the receivers have had in years past there, but he's a real threat. He's a big physical guy. And so with State's young corners, I am sure they're going to try to target him early and often. He has had a couple of hundred-yard games, went for... Uh, four catches for 109 yards and a score against Lamar, and then eight catches for 111 yards uh, against Auburn. And we all know that Auburn defense is pretty salty, but A&M was able to have some success through the air uh, against them. But this is a group that uh, you know is probably playing beneath their recruiting ranking, and I think a lot of that has to uh, is attributed to quarterback play. Kellen Mond's numbers this year. Somewhat respectable. I had some discussions with some people in the media back in the preseason that are big Kellen Mond fans, and I told them, I said, I just I think he's a very average quarterback that kind of gets bound. He's had some. He plays well when they're when they're behind. When the game is decided, he's played well. Kellen Mond, 157 completions, 251 attempts, 62 percent, six interceptions, 13 touchdowns, and a lot of those have come. Uh, in non-conference play, they have really struggled to move the football uh, against Division One competition. Uh, three touchdowns against Texas State, one against Auburn. Excuse me, two against Auburn. You know they they have found a way to have some bigger games against some of these non-conference opponents. The Auburn game is probably the one you look at and say, "That's a." Uh, that's the one game offensively in league play that they played pretty well. And Mississippi State didn't play well against Albany. It was not a good matchup for us in, it, in any stretch. So we're going to have to go out and play well. I think everybody realizes that. It's not It's not going to be a ball game that anybody's going to give us. But this is not a game that I think is quite um, the dawning task that people may have thought it was earlier on. You know, A&M, again... And we've discussed this on the show before. They're 4-3 and three in the conference, but they still have some very difficult games ahead of them. I think the only game on the schedule you look at right now and you say, okay, that is a certain win is Texas San Antonio. They could be a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, type team. They play Mississippi State. Then they host Texas San Antonio. They get a week off. They host South Carolina, who has played much better. Then they travel to Georgia and travel to LSU. And so you think, okay, well, they should be bowl eligible. But at this point, I don't think there's a guarantee. I get the, Again, I think the only game you look at and say that they're certain to win is Texas and Antonio. And when I begin to think about the Mississippi State game this weekend, whoever makes the big mistake is going to lose that ball game. Now, there are many of us that are kind of sitting around just waiting for something to feel good about. This is one of them. If we can slip down there and steal this ball game, even the record up here at four and four with four to play, you got to win two of the final four, and you feel great about the Abilene Christian game. Then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, we got to get one of three conference games to get bowl eligible. And when you begin to look around this league at, at how many six and six, seven and five teams are going to be, you know, I don't think you know. You look at Tennessee. Tennessee's not going to make it. Kentucky's going to have a tough time making it you know, Vanderbilt's probably not going to make it, but there's going to be a log jam right there at six and six, seven and five, and State can find a way to get bowl eligible. And there is certainly a path to do so. You could still end up with a pretty good bowl trip. You know, I, I wouldn't be upset about going to Houston or Nashville, to be quite honest with you. But at this point, after some of the things we've gone through this year, a bowl destination anywhere is big. And it's not just big for us to extend a streak or anything like that. It's big... Because when you begin to think about next year, how important those bowl practices are, not to mention, you know, building confidence in your young stars. You know, Garrett Schrader is going to be the face of this program. You find a way to go win this weekend. Then all of a sudden, everybody, like all we talked about the noise, the social media noise and, and all the anonymous people with sources and all that kind of stuff. All that takes a break for at least a week. Then you go on the road next weekend. Let's say you beat Arkansas. All of a sudden, now you're five and four, with three to play, and that's what that's this weekend can kind of set some big things up for Mississippi State. It gives you a little breathing room. It gives you some margin for error. I still contend this should have been an eight and four team. And this A and M game was one of the ones I think we all felt like was a toss up, even in the preseason. And now that we're a little bit deeper in the year. I think we all feel like, you know what, this is a winnable game, and this is really more about us than it is them. We've had great success against them. They have struggled to score against us. We have found a way to score against them. That 28-13 game last year, it seemed like it was closer than it really was, but when the game was on the line and it was time to put them away, that's exactly what Nick Fitzgerald did. it's going to be an interesting game it's going to be a good time my hope is you guys can make it down there those of you that are in the, the, the South Texas area I know that uh, that you'll be there with bells on metaphorically speaking can't bring cowbells on the road but the more that I look at this matchup the more I realize we have a real chance to go win the ball game defensively they're a team they're, they're, they've got some athletes on defense uh, Buddy Johnson, the linebacker that returned the scoop and score, he was interviewed earlier this week, and they asked him, you know, about playing a freshman quarterback. He goes, man, you love playing against freshman quarterbacks because you turn the heat up on them and see how they respond. I don't think our freshman quarterback is a typical freshman quarterback. I interviewed Dedrick Thomas last night on a one-on-one interview, and I asked him, I said, you know, what what are your thoughts about him? He talks about how mature he is and how poised he is and how nothing ever gets to him, but he never seen, has that – you know, deer in the headlights look in the huddle. These veteran players respect Garrett Schrader because of how he carries himself and because of how he performs and because he puts his body on the line for the team. He has earned their respect, and he's earned your respect. I don't think there's a Mississippi State fan in this country that looks at our quarterback situation and thinks, you know what, we're going to be in trouble in the next couple of years. I think if one thing, we may, not, we may not all agree about Joe Moorhead, but I think we all agree that Garrett Schrader is going to move forward and win a lot of football games here in Mississippi State. And I think the fact that his peers, even the upperclassmen, the fact that they are, you know, so quick to praise him as a player, as a teammate, I think it bodes well for this year. Not just next year and beyond, but this year. And yes, ideally, we would have loved to have redshirted him and had him for four more years because I believe that the, the redshirt senior year would have been tremendous. But I think he will also open up the door for us to have to recruit some other quarterbacks that are going to be great players. But looking at this list here, Buddy Johnson is their leading tackler, 48 tackles on the year. And he is the guy they use a lot in their blitz package. He's the guy that's always around the football. Very aggressive, very fleet-footed linebacker. He can, he can get out and cover. Another linebacker you guys may be somewhat familiar with is Anthony Hines third former Mississippi State verbal commitment Anthony Hines. He has 33 tackles on the year, uh, has done a good job for them, playing a lot more on special teams now, trying to, uh, to kind of make some things happen. They have had some special teams' woes. Does that sound familiar? It certainly does to me. And, again, there's just so many parallels between these two teams. This is a pretty young defense in spots, too. and I didn't mention this earlier they're only starting one senior on offense and that's the center colton brader you know they've got a couple of seniors on a 2d but not very many i mean it's just this a& m team is still relatively young i think they're kind of poised for, for a bigger year next year but uh you know they, they don't have a whole lot when you look here at these guys and think okay well this is a very experienced group they've recruited well but it hadn't really shown up when you look at this defense, you're just kind of running the numbers here. You know, Michael Clemens has been around forever today. He's a uh, transfer guy, it's a defensive end. And then uh, outside of that, it's mainly sophomores and juniors. So it's a, it's a relatively young defense. I know they're probably expecting those young linebackers to be even better next year. They certainly should be. You know, one of the guys that's been a real problem this year has been Matabouke, Number 52, defensive tackle. That's the one guy you got to really watch in the middle. He's a guy that gets a lot of push. But again, this is a team that's very similar to Mississippi State. They're a team that's kind of having a bit of a transition year. I still think that most people would admit that they are uh, playing beneath the expectations. I don't think Texas A&M fans expected, to, you know, was it $75 million you know, to go to the Texas Bowl? I don't think that's what they're interested in. But this is a very, you know, it's a talented group. They just they don't have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent of the Mississippi State team. Mm-hmm. Young running quarterback. Receiver group that uh, has shown some explosive potential, but at times inconsistent. Offensive line group that's pretty much in, in transition. A group that's uh, routinely produced NFL players. Young on the defensive front got a couple guys in there that can play a little bit young in the secondary but those are the things that you look at and you think okay well it, it makes sense that they would be struggling a little bit it makes a lot of sense That's going to be a big crowd for sure even though it's 11 a.m kick you know they're probably going to have 90 to hundred thousand people there it's gonna it's going to be one of those deals where you look at it and say okay we got to get out to a good, big start star to put these people on their hands. You know, looking at what Ole Miss did against them last week, Ole Miss rushed for a a high, a season high for an A&M opponent, 44 carries, 250 yards. And then they threw for 155, but there has been some success throwing the football against A&M. Alabama threw for 293. Arkansas. Arkansas three for two ninety-seven. Clemson three for two sixty-eight. You know, the only two teams that have been held under two hundred and say sixty yards or or two hundred yards this year has been Ole Miss and Lamar. Ole Miss pretty one-dimensional. Lamar's you know talent challenged. But Ole Miss had some big plays against them. You know, Ole Miss hits the big play to Jerry on Ely. Could have been a difference in the ball game. but everybody's had a little bit of success moving the football against a saggy defense. It's just one of those things you begin to look at here. You think, okay, could we really go and do it? And I think the answer to that question is, yeah, we really could. Whether we will remains to be seen. Well, to remind you, if you're one of those folks who likes to pick winners, mybookie.ag is here to serve you. They have uh, been longtime sponsors of the Boneyard. They were always with me during football season. Whether it be college or pro or whatever, if you're a person that likes to, uh, to pick the winners, maybe it's time you put your money where your mouth is. And my bookie's willing to match your money to give you an opportunity to get started. You're playing with some house money right out of the gate. Visit MyBookie.ag and use promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. That's right, you heard that right. Match it up to 100%. So right out of the gate, you're playing with some house money. Because where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. So give our friends at MyBookie an opportunity to serve you. Again, it's MyBookie.ag, promo code Boneyard. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. So before we get out of here, let's talk a little recruiting stuff. Uh, Mississippi State, some bad news overnight. His linebacker Tamari and McDonald out of uh, Whitehaven in Memphis decommitted and then committed to Tennessee. Not unexpected. We have kind of been on the fence about him since he's been on the fence about us. You know, back in the summer, we, uh, we didn't see him when Mississippi State had their SummerSlam event. That's the big cookout we had in July, and you had all the commitments coming here. Well, uh, Jock Von Brown from Horn Lake didn't show. He went to Oxford instead and then flipped all Miss days later. Tamaria McDonald didn't come, and he is now flipped. And I kind of wrote about that this morning on, on the uh, the bones article about that. It's like you know maybe maybe the writing was on the wall in a lot of those situations way back in July. And one of the things that I have learned in all the years that I have recovered recruiting is that when guys no show big events, it's never a good sign. There's always there's always everybody wants to make you feel better about it. Oh well, he couldn't get a ride. Or uh, you know, mom had to work. There's always there's always an excuse. But but here's the thing that I have learned about life. Is that if you really want to get somewhere, you can get there. Not to mention the people around you. If they know what it means to you, they will make arrangements. You mean to tell me that Von Brown didn't have a high school coach that would have brought him to SummerSlam if he really wanted to be there? Of course. Of course he did. That's a, you know, that's, just, that's a silly excuse. And he, he went with his teammate to horn, to, uh, to Ole Miss' function because that's what he wanted to do. Not because he couldn't get a ride to Mississippi State, and his actions after that confirmed that line of thinking. Tamarion McDonald said he couldn't get a ride. You don't think that there's a coach at Whitehaven that would have brought him. He didn't have an uncle or a friend or whatever that wouldn't have brought him to the SummerSlam event, he absolutely – if he wanted to be here, he would have been here. People generally don't do things they don't want to do. They do a lot of what they want to do. And so Tamari McDonald doesn't attend SummerSlam, and now he's decommitted. And so – and here's what's funny. He couldn't get a ride to SummerSlam. He couldn't get a ride to the Southern Miss game. He couldn't get a ride to the Kansas State game. Couldn't get a ride to the Kentucky game. You know what, he hadn't been here, uh, I guess, since June. So his commitment was really one of word rather than deed. And the writing's been on the wall for a while. And Paul Jones and I both have kind of been, if you are a Jeans Paid subscriber, you know this, we have kind of been priming the pump on this one for a while. We've been expecting him uh, to back off that decision. And you know what? That's okay. Better now than signing day. And one of the discussions early on was that he and Byron Easton and Martavius French, his teammates in Whitehaven, all wanted to play together. And initially, Mississippi State was agreeable to that. And then French commits to Arkansas. And then McDonald commits to Mississippi State. You know, So it's like all those things, okay, well, maybe it's not going to work out. Because package deals rarely stick. Rarely. And then there was a discussion, okay, well, Arkansas wanted Byron Eason and Martavius French, but they hadn't offered McDonald. But well, then they offered McDonald, and they bring him in for an official visit. Then they go visit Tennessee And so it was just a matter of where he was going to end up because we have felt for several weeks that it wasn't going to be Mississippi State. And you know what? That's okay. The bigger concern, though, is that Mississippi State didn't sign a high school linebacker last year. We've got to sign some high school linebackers this year. If not, we're going to be in a similar situation to what we are on the defensive tackle position group right now. We're having to play young guys because that personnel group was mismanaged the last few years under Brian Baker and, and Dan Mullen. We're paying for those recruiting failures now. So we have to go ahead and make adjustments now to ensure we don't have a problem with linebacker. You know what? We've got some young linebackers who are really high on. Aaron Brule is going to be a star. We think Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson both are going to be good players for us. But there has to be some depth behind them. Tyrus Weed is currently committed to Mississippi State. We expect him to stick. He'll be an instant impact guy next year, and you feel good about Willie Gay and Errol Thompson returning. But in order to not have a problem in 2021, you've got to go ahead and sign some guys now. Because you know who plays special teams more times than not? You know who runs down there and blows people up on kickoff coverage? It's your backup linebackers and safeties and DBs. You don't want to have to go out there and you know, have your all your starters out there. Sometimes you do. You have to put some ones on special teams. But by and large, how the young guys kind of cut their college teeth is on special teams. We've got to put some guys out there. we got to get some young guys in the pipeline. And there are some names. There's some names that you're f- somewhat familiar with. Jalen Parker out of Macon, Georgia. is a guy that Mississippi State's been on for a while. Adrian Cooper, a guy out of Covington, Louisiana. is a guy we've been on for a while. We're still on him, even though LSU is now offered. And that, that's probably a situation where he'll go there. Rodney Gross Jr. out of Pleasant Grove, Alabama, is a guy that Mississippi State has recruited uh, for a long time. And we we talked about the Summer Slam event earlier. Rodney Gross was there. Undeclared, non-committed, free as a bird. Rodney Gross was invited to the Mississippi State Summer Slam event. And he and his mother came. He's currently committed to Nebraska, wants to play Power Five football, had offers early on from Auburn. Auburn went in another direction. But this is a guy with some talent. The, one of the reasons State didn't kind of gaslight him before is because we really need outside linebackers. Because everybody runs the spread now, so you need guys that are long and lean and can run. Rodney is kind of more of an Errol Thompson type guy. Not that Errol can't run a little bit, but you know he's more of an inside the, the tackle box type guy. And that's kind of who Rodney Gross is. And you already kind of have that guy with Jet Johnson. So you don't want to skew too much towards those big beefy Linebackers that are really more built for an older style of football. But Mississippi State might be in a situation that you might have to take the best linebacker available. I expect State to add another linebacker, possibly two, to the class. And we do expect there to be some adjustments. But uh, linebacker recruiting is a priority down the stretch. And it is disappointing. It is disappointing when you know, you bring in Chris Marv, who I still think is a great coach and a great recruiter, and you get a couple of Memphis area linebackers to commit early, and then you lose them both to other SEC programs. Um, That's one of the things we dealt with last year yet, not with Chris, obviously, with Tim Lukaboods. You had two SEC linebackers in your home state, and you couldn't even get an official visit from them. And so linebacking recruiting has almost become the offensive line recruiting complaints of the Dan Mullen era. Jim Moorhead and his staff have done a good job recruiting – But if you look at the one position group that we seem to have had some consistent failure in, it's been linebacker. I expect that to settle because I think Chris Marv uh, is such a great recruiter and he was at Vanderbilt. They will get that figured out. But the more immediate concern is you've got to go out and get some linebackers, not just bodies, but you've got to go get some guys that can play down the stretch here because we're going to be signing players here in just under two months. National signing day of December will be here before you know it. So I expect State to... uh, Probably have another name or two pop up in the coming weeks, but uh, Rodney Gross is a guy that I think if Mississippi State wants him, they can get him. So we'll see how things play out. But, uh, again, it's never a good thing when you have a player decommit. But to be fair about this, um, you know, Jaco Von Brown is a great athlete, is a guy that kind of have to learn to play linebacker. You know, we've dealt with some of that in the past. You know, Des Harris is one of those guys. Nathaniel Watson is currently one of those guys. I mean, sometimes you take the athlete and you teach him the position. But he's, you know, Brown is a guy that's a bit of a project. Tamari McDonald was probably the third best linebacker on his team. Doesn't mean he's not an SEC player, he, because he is. But he was a guy, I think, of those three you look at and say, okay, he kind of fit more of what we wanted to do because he's long lean, and can really run. But they've got some guys on that team. they got some dogs on that Whitehaven team. They really do. And it would have been nice to get him. But... uh the reality is he's going elsewhere, and that's something we've seen coming for a long time. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Friday to kind of preview the weekend. Looking forward to being back with you, and hope for those of you traveling to College Station, Texas, be exceptionally careful. Hopefully you're going to come back with a uh, Bulldog victory. By the time you guys get back into town, the uh, pre-ordered copies of Stark Villains will be in the mail. I'll have uh, some advance notice stuff soon. I'm going to be signing books... This Friday in Tupelo, Mississippi. First book signing of the book tour. Could to be signing books in Tupelo at the uh, Furniture Mart. It's an event out there. I'll be with Campus Book Mart down there. So come by say hello. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.